I just can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill. You stay in wonder. I am loving. You do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Glacé Film Club. Yes, we've got your regular for you. We've got some nice bit of film chit-chat coming up. And this week, the film we're going to review is the 2010 release from Martin Scorsese, Shutter Island. And of course, I am joined once again by fan favourite, everybody's greatly loved film reviewer it is, Callum. How are you doing, Callum? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, very good. Um... The sun is shining at the moment, which is which is nice for this time of year. So yeah, it, the weather always impacts the mood. I am good, which is that's a lovely line. Yeah. If if we get to the stage where people start a Twitter account of like no context glass A film club, I think that'd be a lovely quote to put on a little meme there. So somebody, if one of the listeners is uh, listening to this now and they want to get that going, get the first quote from Callum there. Thank you. Oh, I'm glad that you're in a good mood. And I hope you've had a good week of film watching and thinking about all beautiful themes that we can chat about today because this one is a biggie. It's, it was, it's a blockbuster, but it's also got so many layers and deep themes to it. And you know what? I wasn't really expecting the depth to go to before I watched it. Shutter Island, released 10 years ago, but never watched it before. Heard loads about it, been recommended it on loads of occasions, but hadn't dived in. And it was actually a bit of a last minute one for this because we had something planned, which we won't let you know just yet. It's a bit of a special one, but we're going to do it in another episode. So this one popped up. We've watched it and I'm very glad we did because there's so much to have a chat about. Give you a quick overview. Shutter Island, the lead Leonardo DiCaprio goes onto this island in America where there's a mental institution. It's And I frame it in that way because it is portrayed in different ways. It's kind of an old-fashioned asylum where criminals go who have pleaded insanity, but there's someone running it who's got these new wave ways of thinking that they can treat the patients. And it's quite obvious at the beginning there's this split between locking up these people as criminals and then looking at them as patients and trying to develop them because they're all on there for doing hideous crimes, most of them murder, as it says at the beginning. But Leonardo DiCaprio is the lead. He goes on there as an agent, as a... Um, oh, what's what's his exact um, title, He's Callum? Deputy Marshal. That's the one. De- I knew you'd remember the detail. Deputy Marshal and uh, Matt Ruffalo plays his assistant. So they're sent on there at the beginning of the story to investigate a one of the patients who's gone missing overnight. So they go over there, they're looking into it. So it's your usual, these questions are being asked, they're giving a tour around, they're trying to find how this patient's broken out. And it gets quite tense early on between the people who run the facility and also between Leonardo DiCaprio's character and his assistant looking into it. As things develop, it gets a lot darker, exploring so many themes and of course, as you imagine it being set in a mental institution, there's going to be a lot of madness in there. And there's going to be a lot of mental mind games going on. It dives into that. But I don't want to give away just in this initial over exactly because there's layers to this plot. There's a lot of layers to it. I want to be careful to kind of dance around this. But as it unfolds and they dive into it, a conspiracy starts to open itself up, suggesting that the uh, people running the facility are actually doing dodgy secret experiments on the uh, patients where they're cutting the heads open and messing around with the brains in a kind of Cold War 
era um plots where they're trying to create these ghosts as they describe them to then send them out and do things that a man wouldn't do in the day but would also have no memory of doing it because they had the mind tweak so this plot gets dived into but as we start seeing the plot go into this then to us is like oh this doesn't seem right this conspiracy that we've thrown at us which looks like this big thing they've uncovered starts to fall away and another story develops itself amongst it and we start to see the lead character played by Leonardo DiCaprio spiral into his own madness and insanity and I think I'm going to leave it at that because I don't want to say I'm going to be careful not to give away exactly what happens there because it is quite key to the plot but we do see the unraveling of this main character in this big setting of, like I said, the mental institution and the incident that goes around. It's action-packed, it's visually action-packed, but there's so many flashbacks, there's so many bits of subterfuge and conspiracy that's got so many levels, both mentally and physically, in how the visuals play out. It's a massive budget film, and it's this set is fantastic. So there's the overview. Big blockbuster, but it's got depth to the script, which sometimes you don't always get, but that's what I kind of thought initially about this alliance and that takes us into the plot and the story what we thought about it Callum and that for me straight away is something I loved about it a blockbuster film as you said in your research it was Martin Scorsese's highest grossing film so huge blockbuster ones a massive um, budget of course you can see this from what goes into it and there's also a lot of flashbacks as well because the lead character he was in the second world war and there's flashes to him liberating Dachau and there's some hideous scenes but it's done in so much detail and you can see that from the kind of blockbuster element of it but I think that really hits on to the psychological bit and you go on the psychological journey as the viewer as well but what I love is it's a big Hollywood blockbuster, but the script's got so much depth to it and the story takes you in so many different directions and it's a real thinker. That's what straight away hit me. What for you were you getting out of the story and just the kind of plot as a whole? I thought um, it was very visceral and the thing that mm -hmm. struck me quite a lot about it was the um, the weather. And that sounds yeah. like a strange thing to focus on, but the weather plays such a huge role throughout the entire film. And you've got flashes of lightning, you've got constant storms and rain, and then that creates its own subtext in a way. It just adds on to the... the and, and so in the background as well, sort of juxtaposed with the um, the rain and the thunder is this sort of dull, like, violin music mu music sound yes. in the background it's like a, a violin or a double bass i think something like that or a cello maybe um and it's just it's just this like it's it is it, genuinely like um that creates another layer to it and it adds to the darkness of it as well it actually reminded me a little bit of like um what christopher nolan does which is a bizarre sort of comparison but what christopher nolan does with the batman films it had a similar sort of like genre going on there like this idea of what what is sanity what it, what does it mean to be sane and that 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 i mean the, the film itself is about like how do we can how do we contest memory you know in this how do you sort of make sense of the problems that are in the sort of the um the sinews of, of your mind i suppose um, and then, like, that juxtaposed with the weather creates another sort of quite a visceral, hard-hitting 
narrative, I suppose, about what does it mean to be sane. That was what struck me about it when I was watching it throughout was that sort of um, darkness to it. It's a very dark film. I mean, <laughs> when we first... Um, when I f- when we first like started doing it, I said to you off uh, mic, like God, it was dark. That was a dark watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was what struck me. I made a point of watching it early in the morning because I knew it was going to hit a darkness. I didn't realize the levels it was going to go to, but I thought, okay, I need to be able to open the curtains, put a light on, and think, oh, there is daylight outside here because it really went to some levels. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I said earlier about the sort of the sunlight lifting the mood but um i probably should have done what you did sort of watched it early in the morning rather Maybe. than watching it sort Maybe. of mid-afternoon um but yeah i mean the thing that really struck me was it um it, it it puts down the question of what does it mean to be sane particularly in um a time period of complete political fragmentation like i love the fact that it's set in the backdrop of the 1950s sort of post-World War Two, like DiCaprio's character is part of the wreckage of the Second World War. He's having flashbacks to when American troops sort of went to Dachau and the liberation of concentration camps, um, which I think is historically inaccurate anyway. I think the Soviets were the ones that liberated Auschwitz. and Oh, no, that was Auschwitz and Birkenau. This is Dachau. Ignore me. That was me trying to be clever. Ignore that. <laughs> There's some more research on your own. <laughs> actually, yeah, indeed. Actually, yeah, indeed. But the, you know, I think the thing is that, um, the fact that it was set against the backdrop of the fifties, I think, was just perfect because you've got DiCaprio being the wreckage of war. You've got the sort of political medical complex that runs through the film as well. Um, the you know the chaos of the nineteen fifties. What does it mean to be part of the nation? Who's a spy? Who isn't a spy? If you're a spy for the communists, you're classed as a political enemy and therefore out of this world or insane. And that was certainly what some of the literature suggested at the time. American popular culture was, you know, completely tried to indoctrinate um, kids through comic books that communists were insane people. So I think, and there's there's layers and references to that in the film. There's a funny line in that when he's interviewing the patient who they said that they found who was meant to go missing, mm. and he introduces himself as a police officer says, there's, a, there's been a communist found on the loose and we need your help to give us some information. And it's no real direct relevance to the whole plot and story that, but it ties in, like you said, to the exploration of sanity, both on a very literal level of the main character's own sanity and those of the other patients, but also what society viewed of as sanity at that time and like you said it's an absolute nod to the idea of looking at people as communists not communists or whatever other way it's split politically but not just as that's a viewpoint but it can be you being insane or not and that's really interesting uh, pretext to it that it uses sanity to both explore the character but also explore this wider theme and I think that is done so well and I just wanted to pick up what you were saying about that question of yes what is sanity and this is explored through the depths of the plot and the darkness it goes into and this is billed as a psychological thriller but I absolutely think it's an adventure film as well because it was over two hours long and as we said just before we started talking about this off mic it was two hours but I felt gripped all the way through it's non-stop 
and not necessarily action, but adventuring that you feel on that journey of they go into another place, they go into another place, he's going to go and find this, go and discover that to uncover this. And all of these themes are tied into it as they go. But it's an adventure film as well as the psychological elements. And I think just from a very viewable perspective, it's gripping, forgetting all the other themes. It's done so well as there's the main character, this is what he's trying to achieve, follow him on his way as all these different things happen. And obviously the kind of theme of insanity, insanity is unraveled throughout and I think that is fantastic about the story and the plot of it. Just moving on a little bit, if we go to the actors and characters in it, obviously Leonardo DiCaprio was the lead and his character is very pivotal to it. I love about the characters how he has these flashbacks to his wife and also how she died and then also, again, we're going to touch upon a little bit of spoilers, but I don't want to kind of directly tell the plot, but how he has this kind of double identity. And this is what he's discovering through his, um, in, through the sanity and through the plot as well. But these characters are kind of are quite vividly painted, but they are used very much loosely as by the end of it. You don't know who's, um, who's who, really. The name of someone doesn't feel that tightly tied to who they are as a person and which is really interesting because I think as a character then you, at the end my connection to everything I built up to Leonardo the character DiCaprio is the lead character kind of gone because you build connection to someone and a name's very important because you tie a lot to that but when at the end you kind of figure out that he's someone else you lose a lot of that and that is interesting from a filmmaking perspective because it throws you in different directions and very cleverly makes the viewer question their own sanity when watching the film because you don't know what's real by the end of it anyway. But also it does that in the terms of exploring that theme within the film of um, not tying these names too tightly to the characters because it then plays with looking at that theme of insanity and then also in the wider political view of it is well, what even is a label? Who's labeling who at these times with the whole Cold War era? People can dive and dip in between. And this idea of ghost people is very pertinent to the Cold War as there was so much spying and subterfuge going on. And I think that's very interesting there. For you, what did you think came through through the characters? And was there anything specific through the acting that stood out? Well, I think you've... Um, you've the thing that you mentioned there about ghosts and identity was the thing that was going through my mind as I was like trying to develop a relationship with the characters in the sense that their identity is constantly being subverted, isn't it? Um, like particularly DiCaprio's character at the start of the film, you think he's a deputy marshal, and then mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I was I was on DiCaprio's side for the whole thing. I was I was yeah, I, exactly. I was like, oh, you know, it's it's a conspiracy. They're trying to, um, you know, stop him from leaving the island. Um, Mark Ruffalo is his partner, and then it's alluded to that he's he's chucked off the um, mm -hmm. side of a cliff. And I was like, oh, God, you know, I was with DiCaprio you feel it, indeed. Yeah, you feel yeah. It. and then he, when he was storming the lighthouse as well. Um, and then there was that sort of like back and forth between DiCaprio and the, and the head doctor. Um, I think. I think the the point of the film is that you're not supposed to necessarily find um, a concrete identity for any one character. I think mm -hmm. it's deliberately That's kept vague because the way you said earlier about um, 
you feel like you're on a journey with this person. And I suppose that's what memory is. When you search your memory, you're searching for things that make sense to you. And for DiCaprio, his character in particular, what makes sense to him is trying to find a way off the island, or so we think throughout the entire Mm -hmm. film, or trying to find the conspiracy that the Doctor is um, has fabricated. Uh, And he's using his own experience to try and figure that out when he was at Dachau. And I think um, the idea of ghosts is really, really important, because juxtaposing his experience, not being able to find what he wants to find, it's almost as if he can't grasp or clutch the reality of the situation because it is just a ghost it doesn't exist Mm -hmm. and then that sort of juxtaposed with the flashbacks he's having to Dachau with the um, execution of Jewish people historically Um, again all the Jewish people that he comes across in the the concentration camp are now ghosts Um, combined with the fact that his daughters and kids have been killed they're ghosts his wife's a ghost and by the end even mark ruffalo's character is a ghost to him he no longer recognizes him so i don't i think it's a conscious choice to sort of you're not supposed to necessarily discover who these people are because that's the nature of who we are as humans like um you know you can be as private or as um sort of extroverted as you want to be and i think what scorsese's doing is that he's sort of grappling with this idea of what does it mean to live, I suppose? And, or what does it mean to be human? Or what does it mean, what is a memory? Is it something that's concrete or is it something that fades? And I think another, and I think set against the backdrop of the sort of, set in the 1950s is um, a conscious decision, obviously. I mean, it's based on a novel anyway, but um, mm-hmm. I think being set set in the backdrop of the 1950s, the wreckage of war sort of, fragmented identities what does it mean to be um an american what does it mean to be a human particularly when um what world war ii showed was that how horrible human beings can be to each other i think there's a great line that dicaprio says where he's like human beings have done this because he's seen it when he when he goes to dachau and yeah yeah and i think um there is a lot of reference to that out of humanity exactly exactly and i think you know being set against the backdrop of sort of the McCarthyism, HUAC, the 1950s, what does it mean to be part of the nation? What does it mean to be a human? What is memory? What does it mean to be sane? I think is completely um, subverted and played with throughout the film and it's left to the viewer to discover um, who these characters are. And I kind of like the fact that um, throughout the film it constantly plays with your own sort of idea of who you think these people are um yeah you know and that's fascinating yeah it? it's it's playing the trick on the uh viewer of the film that's being played on the characters themselves is that trying to grasp at your own thoughts and memories and try and identify things as concrete in the real world but when everything's playing out in your mind which is then translated to the viewer and you are watching it, trying to piece together what's going on in this film visually and also what it, the story it's trying to tell you. But it keeps getting subverted and thrown around and you feel confused as the viewer. But you start to dive into those issues and themes which are being put forward within the film and you experience them. And I feel that is what makes a powerful film is when the viewer can really feel, like you said, viscerally what is going on in the film. I want to try and tie a few things together that you just said. 
and I'm going to go back to what you said earlier about the music in the film. So I think the score is fantastic. It's done so well. It's put together really nicely and creates that tension so much, but also all that kind of madness. And it's creepy. It gets really creepy, but it works so well. But what you were saying to me earlier was that the uh, music that's included in it is... If you, you're probably best given a little summary of this, but it was um, a composer that is kind of in between the more modern compositions and something a bit more traditional. What exactly was it you were saying about the uh, music that's in it? I did it? a bit of research um, about... Cause I, uh, it's by a, a musician called Mailer who is um, uh, considered a sort of a, 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 an amazing, obviously amazing composer, but... Um, what he's historically has been referenced as a bridge between sort of 19th century um, Austrian German music com- uh, to and modernism of the 20th century um, and his music was also banned in Europe during the Nazi regime as well um, and I feel like that choice to include that particular composer is just perfect in that respect because what it does is that it it creates another layer to that idea of silencing someone's voice, basically. I mean, all the patients in this mental hospital are heavily medicated. Their voices are on, you arguably have been restricted uh, through sort of drugs and medication or uh, mind control. Um, and I think to have that dark... Um, sort of dulcet score Mailer's score is um is an incredibly conscious decision because by juxtaposing that with this theme that runs through the film of silencing the voice i think there's something there and i think Definitely. i think um and i think that was a conscious decision by scorsese to create that um idea of uh elusiveness is the wrong word but sort of um, a darkness that you can't necessarily grasp, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. But what I would add to that is, and a theme which we've touched upon, but I think is very prevalent throughout and it gets rounded up right at the end, but it's a theme of morality. And you kind of get this straight away where you're speaking with the doctor who runs the facility, who comes up with the program for the patients. And he is very much pushing a new way of, um, looking after the patients, new methods, treating them as human beings and trying to interact with them that way. Whereas the old school of psychology, as we know, is true to life, is very much using quite experimental but harsh methods, using electrical treatments, mm. the lobotomy, which we'll chat about, but things which were kind of looking at patients as subhuman are having something wrong with him. This is something that's gone out through history all the time. But he's trying to be the person who flips at that point in history. So what you were saying about the composer that's included, so symbolic because this is a composer who was on that point in history where you're going from old ways of doing things to the modern. This is when the film set after the Second World War, where there was a promise of a new world going to put behind the barbaric ways of doing things. We've seen humans yeah. at the very worst in the late 1930s and 1940s, but we're going to put that behind us now and move on to a new way of doing things. And the film is exploring that, and it's the battle represented through the clinical practices 
of the psychiatrists, the psychologists, of whether they can convince people that their new ways of doing things in a more humanistic way are better than the old brutal ways of doing it. And there's that battle throughout. And at the end, it doesn't really win through the more modern kind of enlightened ways. But that is so symbolic with the music, as you said, is that it's saying this is a person on the tipping point of history trying to step forward humankind in a positive, more humane way. But yet no matter what you do, people always get dragged back. Morality is something that's blurred and you can't draw a line through it. And there's a great scene where he, Leonardo DiCaprio's character gets picked up in the car, gets taken uh, back to one of the main buildings by one of the uh, like wardens who he's not met before. And he gives this big kind of impassioned monologue to him about saying that we're all killers, that you would kill if you could. You'd kill me now if, it stopped, if I was the only thing between you and getting something to eat. Yeah, and it's that exploration of morality and humanity. And it's absolutely where the novel is set, like you said, just after the Second World War. It's exploring these clinical practices. That's the mold of the way they do it. And it's that dance between it all the way. And at the end, the conclusion is these lines are blurred, even though we might continuously try and draw a line saying we can become above this and more humane. People will still be dragged down to these more base instincts. And for me, I think that is the biggest success of the film, that it has this theme running throughout, demonstrated by the plot and the storyline. And it comes through in so many ways. And I think that is unbelievably powerful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I agree completely. Um, I love that idea of like that uh on the threshold between barbarity and sort of fresh thinking yeah. that, that's it's, it's on the money yeah certainly um i mean also i mean the, the dicaprio's flashback as well to constantly seeing the um the ss guard the guy that was in charge of the camp at dachau anyway um and mailers playing in the background there um and he and he's yes. sort of like yeah. he's bleeding out from the head as well um, and I think there's a. It's almost as if okay, the, the, this is this is the death of narcissism. Um, this is the death of barbarity. Where can we go from here? And um, mm-hmm. even like the fact that also the most mental in inverted commas of patients are kept in a civil war, um, like fort as well. Yeah. I think is really symbolic as well. Like almost as if like the idea of being sort of questioning what the what it means to be sane is a historical problem as much as much as it is a contemporary problem uh, sure. well a pro- problem's the wrong word an issue i suppose um and you know rooting that in the sort of context of the 50s but also rooting it in the civil war era as well just a generally american history i think is really powerful and i feel like it's that's that's a classic scorsese um sort of method i mean all of his um, all of his gangster films do this, um, like Goodfellas in particular, and um, Mean Streets, uh, and even even Taxi Driver to an extent, like all grapple with this idea of how um, the past is, uh, creates a, a condition in the present whereby people are forced to make these um, insane decisions. Like, what does it mean to be? And in this instance, it's okay do we treat them with a new method or do we lobotomize them? Um, I think what Scorsese is really, really good at doing is laying out bare the the sort of the complications of what it means to be human. 
Um, yeah. And you know, this film's all about that. Like, it's about it's yeah. about the treatment of the human mind. And I think that is like a like I said, this is the core. What it cuts to is this idea of humanity and how is it explored and what is it, but how do we actually grapple with it and deal with it? All right. Uh, we've dived into some themes here. Absolutely loved that. I feel like we've lifted a lot from the film and there's so much to lift from it. Off the, off the bat, I thought this film was just going to be like just intense psychological thriller with a, like a, a big plot, which it was exactly that, but so much more to it. And that really did impress me. I just want to, before we finally wrap up, just talk about the ending because I thought the ending was yeah. absolutely fantastic. So hard to end something like this, but... I thought it, it was big and it works so well. What were your views on that? Yeah, I mean that that line. We were literally, I literally asked you off mic, like oh, I can't remember what that line was, and then you were like, "Oh, it's better to die a good man than to live a monster." And DiCaprio's final line when they're, when they're sat on the steps, um, DiCaprio says, "Basically, he's we've had the exchange in the lighthouse where the audience now thinks that oh, DiCaprio." Um, is living in a in a reality of that he's that he's created himself, um, mm-hmm. and then he sat on the step outside one of the hospital buildings with Mark Ruffalo, who later transpires is his personal psychiatrist, um, and DiCaprio and DiCaprio's like, oh, we need to we need to get out of here still because DiCaprio still we think um, is a U.S. deputy marshal that's been sort of interned there against his will. And he and sort of the breakdown was him kind of like trying to play along with it, but what he says at the end is like, "Oh, it's better to die a good man than to live a monster." And then like Mark Ruffalo nods to the the doctor, and then the doctor appears with a lobotomizing needle, and then he's he's led off, to, and we assume that he's going to be lobotomized. But that line, I did a bit of research about it before we came on, and it's that's not included in the novel. That's something that Scott that was added to the film. Um, which I think is again leads us to this. Is what I was saying earlier about how I like the idea of discovering memory and identity and your relationship with the characters is is, is constantly in a state of flux because mm-hmm. we don't know what is real anymore. Really, um, what's your view interpretation of the end? In my head, there's two things that I think it could be and i do have a view which one i felt it was but was it what you said there and okay we've played through all this and then it then near the end we conclude that okay actually he was uh, a murderer and he was trying to deny it he created this fantasy in his head but at the end that suggestion of the last line is oh actually no he just went along with that knowing the game was up and he he actually was a U.S. marshal, and he'd accepted it, and then he went and along and did that. Or actually, was it? Yes, it was all a fantasy, and that kind of culmination was correct. But that line at the end, where he then kind of reverts back to being the U.S. marshal character, is yes, he he is relapsing, but he is purposely doing it in the fact that he knows he's insane, but he adopts that character to kind of go into his lobotomy with that mindset of saying you know what i can't live pretending to do this um uh, i can't live my life like this carrying on doing it knowing that he is a monster and did something he's going to take um this persona with him of the better person and then go on into it what was your 
Because I think my interpretation was the latter, was that actually the conclusion that we got given of he was um, a murderer and he had constructed this, fabricated this view in his head was true. He figured, they told him about it, he figured it out, but at the end he just kind of purposely was going back to that character because it represented the better side of him. Mm, that's interesting. I mean, I think... Did you would you see it as the other? Is that it was actually kind of a little wink to the camera and be like, oh, actually, it was a conspiracy from the hospital and the story we actually did have at the beginning in the end was the right one. I don't, you see, the thing is, I don't... I don't know. This is the thing. Like, I don't, I don't know where to sort of... Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know which side of the fence to rest on because obviously there's the argument that like, oh, he is a murderer, um, and this is kind of him, sort of admitting his guilt almost. Sort of this is okay. I'm admitting it, and this is how I'm gonna sort of, I'm gonna end my life through, and I, actually no, I've just changed my mind. Just as I was speaking, then the idea of a lobotomy, it's it's almost trying to escape your present, isn't it? Or, or yeah. sort of like get rid of your memory. I think maybe, I think maybe he did. I think maybe he did. He was a murderer, and the lobotomy doesn't necessarily represent his guilt. It represents an escape from the from his um, the horrid memories that he's seen. Um, because, but he was a murderer. But if you think the circumstance that he he murdered in yeah. um, was that his wife drowned the children, and then he killed her to kind of end. Well, obviously out of his own rage, but the end her like suffering because she was mentally ill. So he knows in his heart of heart he's a good man, but what he's done has kind of made him what he is. Mm. So he's choosing to accept that, to say, no, I'm going to be this persona and take that into my like, kind of death in reality rather than... Um, be this other person which actually because then it is a comment on the and the whole system overall of basically saying that it, it is a criticism of the idea of the lobotomy and the old school ways of dealing with that and i think just the fact that we're having this conversation now and it's confusing us is a testament to the film yeah. of what we said all through this conversation is that the beauty of it is that it does play with the viewer's mind so much, not just in a haphazard way of, oh, that was dead confusing, I don't know what was going on. It's like you do kind of know what's going on, but you don't really know where it's taking you. And at the end of it, we're quite confused, actually, what was the reality of it all? And that's exactly the point. And I think we'll draw a line under it there could go, because could go I think that is the key <laughs> of the film there. The demonstration that we've just given of that last five minutes of trying to round up the ending and not being able to is exactly the point of the film so yeah, let's just 100%. wrap up give me your overview callum give me a mark out of 10 i'll do the same and we'll knock the nail on the head for shutter island um so i mean overview it's to put it uh simply it's a i suppose it's a a film about memory what it means to be sane how how what memory looks like when you sort of address it in your own in your own uh, head um, and how other people view um, your own memories as well um, it's about identity and how that's subverted through um, a political medical complex um, it's about uh, sort of the idea of ghosts, madness what, it, what does it mean to be mad, what does it mean to be sane the, the idea of reality versus um, I suppose unreality and what does it 
you know the and the ethics of how to treat people with mental health issues um out of 10 i'd give it i'd give it 9 out of 10 which i think is mm-hmm. quite high only because i do like films that make you that make you think um that's what we love and and the point and, and the point of the film is certainly to sort of deconstruct um what that is and it's certainly a comment on um like sort of memory and how it is difficult to grasp and make sense of however and this probably says more about me than it does about the film itself i would have just liked to have had some definitive closure (laughs) (laughs) okay fair enough fair enough well thank you for the summary callum um, I'm not going to go over those specific points because I think we've gone into them a lot, but yeah, I do agree about all the themes it goes into and explores them in great depth. But I'll just go back to my initial point of why I think this film is so successful in what it's doing, is that it's a Hollywood big-budget film that ticks all the boxes of something that's amazing to watch as a story. The score's fantastic, the visuals are great, the acting's fantastic, and it takes you on a journey that you gripped for the whole two hours-plus however long it is, all the way you grip to this adventure and the drama of it. But at the same time, and this doesn't always have doesn't always happen with a, a big Hollywood blockbuster, there's so much depth to it. And that could quite easily have been like an indie film or something like that in the way that it goes into quite alternative topics and things that are actually quite cleverly explored and it executes them very, very well. So for me, 9 out of 10 as well thought it was absolutely fantastic so watchable but also like we've battered ourselves over and actually driving ourselves a bit insane when i was looking at you give the overview then i was like that looks like a man who's going insane just talking <laughs> about this so it really hits those themes so well so i thought it was fantastic and it's one that i'd love to watch again because it has got so much depth to it nine out of ten shutter island thank you very much martin scorsese and that wraps us up. Indeed it does. Another yeah. great review, Callum. Thoroughly enjoyed that one. Yeah, I do, yeah. And um, I'm glad that we watched it. Thank you for joining me. Have you had a, a nice time on this episode of the Glacé Film Club? As always. Obviously. I always, I always have a great time. Um, I, I love nothing more than uh, just having a chat about, you know, films and themes and layers upon layers and what does it all of mean. Course. It's always it's good fun. Absolutely. Yeah. And once again, thank you for your... A uh, little bit of historical research into some parts of the film. It's always great to have those little tidbits in there and it adds a nice bit to the conversation. So, wonderful resident historian, Callum Hyde. Thank you very much. So, let's wrap it up there. It's been a great chat. We'll have plenty more films and series reviews coming your way very soon. And we have got, I'm going to give a little teaser now, another conversation coming your way very soon. And Callum will be making his debut as the host slash interviewer in one of the Glacé Film Club conversations. So check that out. That'll be on our feed on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts very soon. We'll be teasing that one. But once again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned. Check out our back catalogue. There's plenty of reviews out there and plenty more to come. Have a nice week and we'll see you next week for another film review. See you later.